The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 614 for Monday, July 18th, 2016. Ah, greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, the show. Where you send in questions, tips, and cool stuff found, we share it all, we answer the questions, and together, we all like to learn a whole lot new about what's going on. And uh, and in, in, in specifically, <laughs> we like to make sure we each learn at least three new things. I'm, I'm, I'm lowering the bar back to three, only because uh, we got to get back into our rhythm here, because we, you know, we've had kind of a couple of weeks off, even though we've been releasing shows. Sponsors for this episode include... Otherworld Computing at MacSales.com. Make sure to check them out. We'll talk more about them later. And Barebones Software with BB Edit at Barebones.com. We'll talk more about them here, back in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. And here, preparing for severe thunderstorms, as you are, I believe. My Actually, friend. I'm not preparing. I'm just suffering through them <laughs> while we're recording. So you can have oh, them. Gosh. Yeah. Um, but here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. How you doing, Mr. John F. Braun? I'm, I'm doing as well as can be expected. Well, I guess that's good. I guess that's good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, as, as we mentioned in the last two episodes that we kind of pre-recorded ahead of time and all of that, uh, I was just in Europe for two weeks with, uh, with Lisa and the kids. It was a family trip to uh, three destinations. In fact, we were in London, Barcelona and then Paris and, uh, and just got back late last night. Um, so I'm still, you know, time it's easier coming back time wise, of course, uh, than it is going over. That's, and that just seems to be universally true. But, um, what was the term you used for the language you eventually, uh, because, all right. So obviously in the UK, they speak, they speak a different language. Well, they speak, uh, proper English, not American English. Yeah. They make but up some can, words though. But, uh, but yeah, they speak, they speak a language closer to ours than, than any of the other places. <laughs> well, I don't think they make up words. They just have different terms for things. And you know, the thing is, I got to say, if you haven't listened to it, folks, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the original BBC radio broadcast, I learned so much, so many Britishisms, I'm uh, going to yeah. call them. Yeah, sure. You know, you know the, the chemist, uh, zebra crossings. Uh, yeah. So, so many terms uh, that... You know, we don't say here, uh, they say over there, but it, it, and it's just a hilarious series. And no, you, also our, our friend Douglas Adams, uh, our late who's friend. Not, yes. Yeah, uh, was actually, uh, when they had this program, an Apple master because he, uh, you know, he uh, helped write a lot of, you know, cool games based on the series. And uh, it was just a cool guy. I think you and I talked about this day. We met him at one of the uh, Macworld shows. Here we, here we are nice on a night. tangent of a third tangent. It's great though. <laughs> Triple tangent. No, it, it's good, right? We were, we were, you were, uh, so when we were in London, uh, the, the third night we were there, we held a, a meetup. Now you mentioned zebra crossings. Uh, our Airbnb was actually down the street from a very, very famous zebra crossing. The one in front of Abbey road studios, uh, because our, we were, it just so happened that we were in that neighborhood, but we held a, um, we held a, a Mac Geek Cap meetup and a bunch of people came and, and 
for those that were there, I was trying to remember everyone's name to introduce everyone to everyone else as someone would, you know, arrive. And so Elliot, Joe, Andy, Chris, Rick, Gus, Simon, Ollie, and Paul, I believe, were the names of all of the listeners. And of course, my family and, and me. Uh, were there, but I think I've got them all right. But but you, John, were there in spirit, and we we talked about your tangents uh, of tangents and and how much that adds to to what we do here. So it was uh, it was quite a good time to uh, to to get together with everybody, and we had some. I had some food. They got to watch me eat British food, which uh, they got far more of a kick out of, I think, than than I ever expected. And uh, and we drank some some fine ales at this pub together, and just had a great conversation and it was a good fun night. So it was good stuff, but, um, I cannot believe this. What's that? Uh, I'm sorry. So I'm hearing, so handoff is working on my system here. This is the fourth call. I'm sorry. I think it's somewhat relevant here, but this is the fourth call I've got today. (laughs) Hello? No, this is the fourth call I've got today. Yeah, we're going uh, This is the fourth call I've got today from New York City, from these people telling me that they're filing a lawsuit against me, IRS. It's like, guys, will you stop? It's the fourth one today, seriously. Dude. <laughs> so you were there because In of spirit, this. Yes. No, it, this is, you're, it's a perfect example. This is great. Um, and then, uh, and you know, and, and so, yeah, so it, by the time we got back, we had spoken um, British English. Uh, we had, or been in places where they spoke British English, um, Spanish, but really more Catalonian in Barcelona. Um, but they also spoke English there, but we, we're, um, the, we Hamiltons are fairly comfortable speaking Spanish because of the, the kids and Lisa and I both took it in school. Lisa also took French, but we speak a lot of Spanish at home. So Barcelona, we were able to move around and, and speak Spanish quite a bit. And then, uh, and then in Paris, None of us speak French. I can read French okay. And actually, after having been there now, I can sort of begin to understand it. The, the accent really threw me off at first, but now I sort of understand how they form their words, and it's, it's better. So, uh, so we had a good time. The, um, the, the, I wanted to go through a couple of things, though, John, if, if I may, that, that, I, that I learned during our travels. Tech world, or world? Mac related? Um, tech, tech, and tech and Apple and and Mac related. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So outstanding. Worldwide data is a pain in the neck. Um, thank you very much to everyone that sort of steered us uh, and helped us, and especially Mike for getting us SIM cards ahead of time so that we could have everything going. But we used a company called Three T H R E in in the UK, and then they have this what they call Feel at Home plan. But we had UK numbers. We just put new SIMs in our and our iPhones, we made sure our iPhones were unlocked before we left. And, uh, and, and then we were able to use our data that we purchased for the UK everywhere that we went in Europe. And, uh, and it worked great. Uh, it, it, I mean, some of the data service, like in, in Paris especially, the, at least the ones that we could roam on, uh, it was sort of mm-hmm. weak. It was orange and one called Free, F-R-E-E. 
um, they were okay, but they weren't great. But worldwide data is a is a mess. Although they're cleaning it up somewhat in Europe, I think they passed some legislation a while back that. Says, now are they what LTE three G? I mean, what's what's the are, are the standards over there the same that you would access here? Yeah, but the sims that and the accounts that we had were only good for three G and four G data, so we weren't getting any LTE connections. They they have them there. We just weren't the the you know the service that we bought didn't didn't have that but it was fine we bought um what was it i think 12 gigs a piece for um for about 20 bucks a piece and that was that was great you know and it was it was fine or 20 sorry 20 british pounds so that's more than 20 bucks but uh, 20 what almost 25 or something like that um so for you know about 100 bucks we got data for all of us and we didn't have to think about it i mean 12 gigs is a lot of data to to use in two weeks so we did we just didn't have to think about it and so it was fine, but it, it's a mess. It shouldn't be this hard um, to travel around. U.S. cell companies would have screwed us if we were trying to use like AT&T over there. But so if you're going to travel, do that. Um, All right. My other question yeah. is, so here, so at least the, uh, you and I, I think, are both fortunate in that because we have cable, our cable companies offer, well, free, if you're a member, Wi-Fi. Plus, there's also a lot of public Wi-Fi. But what was your experience with public wi-fi access uh in europe um it was it was pretty prevalent i have i use the um american express starwood credit card and i'll talk about credit cards in a minute but um because i have those that starwood credit card i get free access to boingo wireless hotspots anywhere in the world the uk is is like lousy with them they're they're everywhere so i could get on wi-fi pretty much anywhere i wanted um, and the kids could too, cause I have, you know, they give, they give you enough accounts or whatever. So it's, it was fine. So yeah, we were able to use Wi-Fi, but we, again, we didn't have to worry about it because we had so much more data than we were ever going to use. So, um, so, you know, it, it worked out, it worked out. Um, so let's see the data, data is a pain in the neck. Um, I used a, an app called launcher, uh, which we've talked about on the show before. And, with it, you can do all kinds of things, but it you, you can really use it in the notification center now. I think it's launcherapp.com. We mentioned it during Cool Stuff Found not that long ago. And one of the things, you can add little app launchers, but you can also add little widgets. And so I had uh, time zone widgets for every every time zone that we were going to be in, which was really only two, uh, British summertime and, and CEST, which I believe is Central European summertime which is one hour off from, from British summertime in Barcelona and Paris were on that, on that. So, but I also had Boston and San Francisco in there and it made it really easy. So I didn't ever have to, you know, like stop to think, wait, what time is it in Boston? What time is it here? I could just look. So using that in launcher was great. And I put Boston time on my Apple watch too, as, as one of the complications on my, on my watch face. So at any time of day, I could just look and say, oh, okay, it's 4am in Boston. Don't, you know, try to text anybody or anything like that. So that was, um, that was very, that was good. Um, you would appreciate this, John in the Paris Metro. I noticed a woman talking on the phone. We use the metros quite a bit and, uh, and the cell service in the Paris Metro was outstanding. You could get data pretty much the whole time you were underground, which was great. Well, you know, I think they're starting, uh, the Metro of course, being their public transportation. There's, um, there's subway. I mean, there, there's buses and all that too, but the Metro is the subway. Right. Yeah. Right. They've been doing similar, at least from what I can tell, in uh, Manhattan, 
And I'm going to differentiate Manhattan from New York City because New York City is not Manhattan. Though Mostly people... pedantic, but that's okay. <laughs> yes. But um, yeah, at least for me, um, they've been installing uh, in, the, in the subways because, of course, the subway is underground and there's no access points unless they put them there. And I've noticed that they're, they're making it more and more available. Actually, I've seen signs in a lot of, uh, in, in a lot of the MTA, which is you know, the area transportation yeah. system. They're like, hey, we're, there's free Wi-Fi here. You want to check great. it out? Yeah. That's Which, good. you know, free Wi-Fi is great, um, you know, for anybody who listens here uh, for any length of time. But if, if you haven't, if you're new, hello, welcome. But um, if you're going to do public Wi-Fi, you know, uh, certainly consider not doing anything entirely sensitive or get a VPN. Public right. Wi-Fi. No, of course. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Just offering that. But yeah, there um, uh, our trains don't have it. I think Amtrak is working towards it, but our MTA has pretty much given up. Uh, the the local train system, they they pretty much admit they don't know how to successfully deploy Wi-Fi for free. I wasn't talking about Wi-Fi though. I was talking about actual cell service. Uh, Data. No, I, I, yeah, I understand. Okay. All right, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Um, there were also lots of pickpockets. In fact, getting on the and we were warned about pickpockets. I and, can't believe you told me. So the, now you said a little girl. Now how? Uh, okay, but again, you said a little girl. Now, how young? Uh, so John's alluding to my my Twitter and Facebook post. Yeah. So we were warned about pickpockets in both Barcelona and um, and Paris. And yeah, one day in Paris, getting on the metro, a little. She was probably nine. I felt her start to try and reach into my front wow. pocket. And I just whacked her hand away. But um, yeah, so you got to be aware of that. But, um, but it, you, you know, the metros were, were fine. You do a lot of walking underground in Paris to, to use the metros far more than the other cities. So we wound up using Uber a bunch in Paris. But man, Uber, I've used Uber in a lot of cities and it works fine. They didn't have it in Barcelona, which was sort of frustrating. Uh, and it's because of their laws and crazy things. But um, in uh, in Paris, man, they they must Uber must not be overutilized there because we would call for an Uber and it was like we had a magic button on our phones to make a car materialize before our eyes. It, it we had a first floor, so uh, now I'm using European terms. Our apartment was one floor above the street, so we had to go down a flight of stairs to get to street level, which in Europe they call first floor um, apartment. And I couldn't, if I ordered an Uber while we were leaving the apartment, it would, I, that was too early to order the car. It would be like waiting for us and the driver would be mildly annoyed that we weren't right there when, uh, when we walked out the door, you know, when, when he arrived. So Uber in Paris was outstanding and relatively cheap. You know, it ne- I never saw it going to surge pricing or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Uber worked out really, really well. All their credit cards there are chip and they took the chip and signature U.S. cards. No problem. You know, they would just their machines would spit out the thing and you just sign it. That wasn't an issue. All of those machines would take tap to pay cards. Uh, Apple Pay, however, worked at only about half of them. It would appear to work. The transaction would begin to start, you know, kind of on the on the on the uh, terminal end and then it would fail. And so we, but I would take the very same card that I had in Apple pay and put it in and it would work just fine. So I don't know what the deal was with Apple pay, especially in Paris, but uh, basically I didn't use it 
anywhere in Europe uh, with any degree of frequency. I just I just pull out my card and put it in the machine. And it Interesting. Fine. Yeah, because the chip thing, which they called EMV, which I believe stands for Euro something Mastercard Visa, which is the consortium that came up with it. Mm-hmm. Europe has had for. For a long time. Some countries, decades. Yeah, yeah. We, we are way behind the curve on, on the whole chip thing. Right. right. Uh, and it sounds like the NFC thing, they're, they're on about the same level. The other, the, the one thing I remember, though, is that I remember, especially in Paris, uh, you were talking about floors. The thing that I thought was, was kind of bizarre and actually kind of satisfying as a you know, computer guy is you would have floor zero. Right. Right. It was floor zero, one, two. Well, that, that makes sense. Right. I, I understand how they got there. It, it's, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But, but well, yes. here you never see an elevator with a floor zero and no, you see floor one. Yeah. Which is ground. And floor. oddly, and oddly enough, I think because of superstition or something else here, you rarely see a floor 13 in a lot of buildings just because, you know, ooh, 13 is, is bad. I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I'm, I, I enjoy superstition, so I, I get that. Now, where Apple Pay worked flawlessly, believe it or not, was the London Underground. This only so this is there, uh, but also on the buses. So not just just not just the, the 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 subway, which they call the tube there, but also the buses and and everything. And it was brilliant because we didn't have to ever buy a subway pass, and we got the bulk discounts that you would get if you had your own subway pass. We, um, you just, you know, you just use Apple pay and, and they say you have to use the same device. So you can't go from using your watch to your phone. It's like, once you pick a device that you're going to use, that's what you have to use a hundred percent of the time in order to qualify for the, the, you know, bulk discounts. And that's because even the same credit card gets a different ID number on your watch or versus your phone, even though it's being charged to the same card, it's actually, a, it's a different card number in, in each device. But, um, but that worked flawlessly and it was great because we just get on, you know, we didn't have to do anything. You just go to get on the tube or on a bus and you just tap your phone and on you go. So it worked, that worked out really, really well. Um, Yelp was not popular in, uh, oh, sorry. Yelp was okay. Sorry. Open table was not something we could use in Paris, but we did find an app called the fork. At thefork.com, and no, it does not exist in the States, but it does exist in many European countries, and it was awesome for making restaurant reservations and just finding restaurants, and most of the time, if you just bothered to make a reservation with this app, um, you'd get like a 20 or sometimes 30% discount off your meal, and these were like, you know, decent places that we were eating, so it's um, it's definitely worth, worth checking out uh, if you're traveling to use the fork. And I'm trying to think of what else here. Oh, um, we mentioned app tamer in one of the shows recently, John. And so I used it on my laptop the whole time we were gone from uh app tamer from St. Clair software, because it, it kind of did that CPU nicing and that it managed different processes, different ways. Outstanding. Have you been using it? I've been using it. And honestly, for my typical use, so it also has, so AppTamer is, is something that can throttle and control apps, uh, yeah. you know, as far as um, the percentage of time that it reports it's done anything important, in my cases, uh, is often 0%. So well, that's a nice gotta, feature yeah, of the you've software. Gotta, you've got to tweak it a little bit to, to like ratchet down the things that you want it to ratchet down. No, I, I get that. They, and they yeah. have some default settings, I, I would say, at least for, for the way I use my computers, 
I don't think it's going to offer a lot of value mm. because it report. I mean, it, it self reports. It says, yeah. um, I've helped save you energy and processor this percent of the time. And for the most part, it comes up and says zero. So, so it I, hasn't engaged. Uh, so the way I have it configured, which is the default, and I, I understand your point, but the, the way I have it configured now, it's not doing me any good. My, 20, looks my 2011 good Air benefits hugely from this. Yeah, but then your Air has a it's older. relatively wimpy, like that, one point correct. something uh, gigahertz processor. So, so in that case, that's right. Uh, because you're relatively processor constrained, I, I can understand that. And, yeah. and for for that use case, um, the app I think makes sense yeah. uh, for for my machines, which I think have more processor than I probably need. Um, it probably doesn't make sense, but it still looks like a fine app, and it you know it's well architected. It reports things, like I said, it reports. Hey, I did this useful thing for you uh, this percent of the time, and in my case, it says zero. So yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I used um, DS Photo the whole time we were there, John, which is the app, the iOS app that links back to the Synology Photo Station, and I used it on my phone and also my wife's phone to just back up our photos every night that we took with our phones all day. And the cool part about it is you can set multiple geofences. So as we got to a new apartment, you know, we used Airbnb for each of the three cities that we were in. And as we got to a new apartment, I would set up or we would set up geofences for our phones in that place so that every time we got back at night and it joined the Wi-Fi there, it would be like, awesome, great. And it would just start backing up our photos in the background. Uh, so if anything were to happen to our phones or anything like that, uh, we, you know, at least we had our photos that we had been taking, you know, throughout the weekend or the, the, the two weeks backed up here to the disk station. And then of course the disk station here backs up to crash plan and everything's hunky dory. So that was that actually, you know, we've been talking a lot about obviously Synology last week. And then um, in general, we talked about disk station or rolling your own photo cloud and um, that worked brilliantly. So I wanted to, I wanted to share that. And it was nice because we could kind of browse each other's photos and because we gave each other permission, obviously. And, uh, and it worked out well. And, and lastly, I want to give a, um, a, I want to answer the question that you asked in the, in the pre-show, John. Yes, we connected through Reykjavik, Iceland, coming home. Iceland Air uh, has a lot of flights to and from Europe. We, we paid cash for our flights coming home. Going over, we used mileage to, to get to London. It just didn't make sense to use mileage coming home. So we paid cash and wound up booking with Iceland Air. And we went from Paris to Reykjavik and then Reykjavik to Boston. And it, they're a fantastic airline. We bought, you know, cheap economy seats. We weren't in any special status or anything. The seats were basically as big as like American Airlines extra legroom seats. Um, very comfortable planes, very nice, good food on the plane. And... What's, what was interesting is they are the reason that we wound up going to Barcelona. We were only going to do two weeks or two different cities in the two weeks. And we booked our flights home from Paris. And they, as soon as we booked them, they said, great, you're booked. Everything's golden. Um, here's the thing. We'd love to have you stay in Iceland a little bit longer. So if you want to change the time of your first flight or your second flight, we won't charge you anything to make changes. And you could change it by up to a week in either direction. And, uh, and then you can visit, you know, Iceland and Reykjavik and all this stuff. And we started thinking about, whoa, that's interesting. And then, of course, we thought, well, if we're going to do a third city, 
um, Reykjavik probably isn't at the top of our list. And that's how Barcelona kind of came about. And that's why we stuck Barcelona in the middle between those two. Geographically, it doesn't really make sense. But um, but it worked out well. Barcelona is a great place to go and just kind of chill out uh, between the, the other two cities that we did. So we it uh, it worked. But Iceland Air, I highly recommend them. So that's all I got, John. I think I don't know. You got cool. anything else on uh, <clears throat> on 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 this? Any questions? I'm I'm looking at my oh one thing because this blew my mind. We we t- went to Liverpool one day. And took the train there and back in the same day. It's about a two-hour train ride each way. And on the way back, our train was two minutes late getting into London. And they could not have apologized any more profusely than they did. It, it Here in the U.S., if a train is like maybe 30 hours late, they might acknowledge the fact that it wasn't close to on time. But otherwise... It, you know, like a train that's 25 minutes late is considered awesome here. And that's uh, not that awesome. I got to be honest. And it was very refreshing to see the standards that, that you know, the, the European trains uh, are held to. And they really, I mean, they were, you know, they were quite nice about it. Oh, I remember when I took, a, yeah, so I remember the, uh, the, the, when I was last in Paris, their trains are cool. And, and the, because I, uh, we, we took uh, uh, the people that I went with, we uh, took the train to Euro Disney, which I don't know if you sure. did that. You probably no, didn't have time to. No, so Euro Disney is also kind of cool because, you know, Europe, you know, most people speak English. So the thing is, even though it's, it's in Europe, uh, a lot of people speak English, so you can navigate your way around there. And I thought it was an interesting variation on the Disney versus, you know, the ones here in the U.S., either Disneyland or Disney World, which I also love to death. Um, but um, the the thing I remember is being on the train, and all of a sudden we saw like the train cops. Mm. Uh, the thing, well, I, I think almost all public transportation, uh, but but especially in Europe, is kind of the honor system. is It's an open platform you can get on, um, but if they ask you for your ticket and you don't have it, you're in big trouble. Oh yeah, <laughs> of course. Oh yeah, you're ta- so you're talking about the metro, or or you took like an above ground train? Well, in Paris, uh, it, when I was in Paris uh, on their you know high speed train, you oh know, the high we're going speed to a different okay. city, it. you know we just hopped on, and then all yeah. of a sudden we saw the train cops coming, and it was like a you right. know pretty formidable gang of people. Like, it wasn't just like one person; it was like a gang and it was like you know they were like you better have your ticket or you're in serious trouble dude yeah yeah right yeah 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 but also european i I think the most but but we we would have taken you know that similar train but but it just we just didn't right i think the world-class trains i think the world-class trains though though i understand uh france has some Nice height. No, no, I think you commented on this. I think you were on one of the high, higher speed trains. We were on, yeah, it was, man, it was this thing. Lisa booked this trip to, it was just, it was a, it was a tour package to go to Liverpool and like do all the Beatles stuff because we're all Beatles fans, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but it wasn't really a tour. It was more like a package deal where you got, you know, your round trip train tickets and then you got entrance into this Beatle Museum in Liverpool. And then you got this bus tour there. But there was no like when we got on the train, we were on our own to sort ourselves out for the day and make sure we got on the right train coming back. And it was cheap. It was cheaper to buy this tour package that got us a couple of these other things with it than it would have been to just buy regular, you know, coach train tickets. And they gave us the train tickets and we realized they were first class tickets and they were on Virgin's trains. 
it, this was one of these, um, oh, what's it called? The Pendolino train is the model. This thing was amazing. I mean, it was so nice. It was such a pleasure to be on this train, especially when we realized we were stupid on the way down. We didn't even real or the way over to Liverpool. We didn't realize we had first class tickets. So we sat in coach because they told us we had coach seats and they told us which seats were reserved on the way back. I'm looking, I'm like, this is first. I'm going to ask. And I asked and they're like, yeah, of course, right here, sir. Like, great. Wow. <laughs> Fed us a meal. It was outstanding. <laughs> so yeah, Richard Branson knows how to do it, man. Oh yeah. Virgin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say the best I've had in this country, Dave, uh, the, the Acela, which is the yeah. somewhat high-speed line that runs on the what they call the Northeast Corridor, which is pretty much between D.C. and uh, Boston. I would, I would say Boston. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty good train. And even, even the regular class is good. Um, it only reaches the maximum speed, which I think is 150 miles an hour, I think, in parts of Rhode Island. The other is just because our infrastructure sucks. You're right. That's um, right. But yeah, we were and doing then, about 125 miles an hour on the train. We we clocked it with our iPhones. Yeah. 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 You know, I've done that too. Actually, I've done that on our MTA train. There, You, you can get GPS apps and it, as long as you can get a GPS. But I think for the most part, the trains that I take to Manhattan and back, the, the fastest I've seen them go is about 70 miles an hour, which, hey, it's faster than the traffic that is sitting there moving at zero miles an hour. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So, um, we'll wrap that segment up. If you have any questions, you know, we did, uh, obviously we did a lot of research. A lot of you helped with that research, but, uh, we're obviously always happy to pay that forward. So if anybody has any questions, feel free to, you know, send them into us feedback at MacGeekab.com. I, you know, I think, uh, I, I heard a thunder, uh, Boomer or something, Dave? I, I didn't quite hear you. I think you said feedback at MacGeekGap.com. I said feedback at MacGeekGap.com. And I'm Excellent. glad that I got the right thing because I do a lot of different podcasts now. And I am I'm I am truly out of practice. At two weeks of not doing any of the normal things that I do. Like it was weird playing drums a little bit this morning and that sort of thing. But I got it. Um, if you don't want to send us an email, though, you can call us at 224-888-GEEK, which John is... Four, three, three, five. But Dave, from what I understand and what I've seen in our, not our feedback, because we don't have a feedback address. Or do we? Uh, well, <laughs> there, uh, if you've listened to us, you, you may be able to figure that out. But the thing is, Dave, you can also SMS that number. And I actually yes. replied to one or two SMSs that we've received. So if you know what an SMS is, which is basically a text message, you could text message us awesome um i got or you, you know, leave to be us honest, a voicemail. i haven't even seen the text yet i haven't gone through all the stuff that came in while i was. I replied gone, so. i replied to one or two awesome. um the, the only thing i gotta uh, say to people is that if you do not email us and you decide to use uh sms or something like that please if you'd like a reply um please tell us how to reach you via email because a lot oh. of these messages well if you if you send us a message via means other than email we may not know how to get back to you. Well, we can SMS um, them back. Well, that, 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 that's what I did. So someone actually SMSed me um, you know, about something. And, and at least the Google SMS uh, offers a way where if you reply via email, it then translates that to yeah. an SMS them. But I'm, right. I'm just saying to people, is, um, it doesn't hurt uh, to let us know how to get back to you Sweet. via an email address if you're not emailing. All right. Well, we have a bunch of cool stuff found to go through here, John. 
but the first thing I want to do is talk about our sponsors a little bit. And our first sponsor for this episode is other world computing at MacSales.com. This is a company. They've been around longer than Mac geek gab, which is saying something, uh, cause we've got, you know, we're, we're well into our double digits now, but, uh, the reason they've been around so long is because they sell quality products. They stand behind what they sell. And most importantly, they understand what they're selling you. So if you need help deciding what to buy, they can help you. Oftentimes their website is going to be able to answer those questions. But if it can't, you can just call them and they will walk you through it because they understand the products. That also means once you get a product from them, if you have a problem with it, well, call them up. Good news. They understand what they sold you. So they're going to be able to help you with that. And if it's a problem with the product, obviously they're going to take care of that. And if it's a problem that you're having using the problem product, they're going to take care of that too. Cause that's how they work. These folks are customer service ninjas. They understand that every business is the customer service business and they take care of you. If you are a Thunderbolt user, or if your Mac has Thunderbolt, I highly recommend their Thunderbolt dock. It's outstanding. It's got more ports than you could ever want. USB 3, uh, HDMI, audio in and out, gigabit Ethernet. Awesome. And if you've got a MacBook, get their USB-C dock. Because that's going to give you five USB 3 ports, gigabit Ethernet, an SD card reader, HDMI, audio in and out, and power. So you're charging your computer at the same time. And it comes in three colors, gold, silver, and space gray, right? So you got to check this out. Otherworld Computing at MaxSales.com. Our thanks to Otherworld Computing for sponsoring this episode. Our second sponsor today is Barebones. Barebones Software at uh, Barebones.com. They make... BB edit. This is an app that uh, I actually didn't use for the last two weeks, but that's only because I wasn't really spending any time at a computer for the last two weeks while we were traveling, but I've used it all day today. Now that I've been back, BB edit is a text editor. And I know that doesn't sound sexy, but all you got to do is try it. Go download BB edit from barebones.com and try some things like Try just pasting in some text. It'll tell you how many characters, how many words, how many lines. Try doing a multi-file find and replace. So throw a folder of documents at this thing and say, look, I want to go through and change this text to that text in here. Boom. It's going to take care of it for you. It can either do it automatically or you can walk through each one as you would expect to do. Of course, if you're doing some coding, well, BB Edit's going to know, it just knows what language you're in. And it subtly highlights everything so that it makes it more visually appealing. It doesn't change the file, just changes it right there. If you want to compare two files, BB Edit has this awesome three-paned view where it shows you one on one side, one on the other. And at the bottom, it shows you what the, um, what the differences are, one line at a time. You just start going through. And when you go to a line, it highlights those differences in the two documents that you're comparing. Makes life really, really easy. You got to check it out. 
Barebones.com. This is where you can go download a free trial. When you're ready to buy, it's 50 bucks. You got to check it out. Our thanks to Barebones for sponsoring this episode. All right, John. It's time for Cool Stuff Found. Now, this is one of those things where uh, it's kind of a crazy thing to do as I'm trying to get my, uh, my bearings here because, well, there's... I am too because, oh my gosh. There's just so much to do. But we're going to well, start... Also, you've been hearing, uh, if, if I disappear, it's because our severe thunderstorm seems to have just started. Yeah. I'm right. lights and, and I'm hearing noise. Are you getting the flashing lights? Uh, yes. Oh, Lightning, good. thunder. Yeah, I don't know if you can... Hear that you can probably hear the thunder a bit, but um, I, I heard a little bit. I wasn't sure if it was here or there because we've been, I, like I said, we we had our lightning about ten minutes before we started the show. So uh, right, if I disappear, it's probably because right. I lost my juice. Yeah, or I did. It's, I mean, it's either one of us. So okay, right, but cool stuff to, found is always cool. Let's go to Scott. Scott uh, says. Uh, I wrote you a little while back about menu bar stats too, which I learned about from MGG. Uh, I told you about how I reached out to the developer of menu bar stats too, and explained how he made the app fully accessible to voiceover. I happened to see that he also develops an app called the clock, which is the best world clock. I asked him about the level of voiceover compatibility compatibility, and he knew it wasn't accessible. Now he has made it accessible. The clock is a world clocking calendar that lives in your max menu bar. I like this app because it helps me manage my schedule by providing quick access to a calendar events on the calendar and a comprehensive world clock. So you got to check it out. And we will put a link to that in the show notes. Thank you very much, Scott, for, uh, for sending that along. Good stuff. John, you found, uh, you found an app here. You want to tell us about uh, iOS console? Well, I didn't find it. Oh, I'll right. tell you who did find it is our, our good friend, Allison Sheridan, at the NoSillaCast podcast. Because she sent me a question about this. So, um... As, as most of you know, but if you don't, there is an application on OS X or Mac OS now or in the future um, called the console, which basically um, when developers write software, they will send, uh, often send little diagnostics or alerts or things to something called the console, which is basically a text output uh, and diagnostic tool. The thing is, most users don't see this. Now, if you're on OS X, you can run this thing, duh, called the console, which I believe is in Applications Utilities. I think they bury it there. Uh, but if you're on console, you'll see these messages. The thing is, iOS, even though it is uh, OS ten like doesn't offer a way to access the console. The, the console is very useful because, it, it, especially if you're troubleshooting and trying to figure out what's going on, the, the normal user interface of either iOS or OS X or Mac OS will not tell you what's going on, but the console will. It can be overwhelming, though, because sometimes it's overload. So anyways, um, she asked me, have you heard of this thing? So it's called iOS Console, um, and it's from a group called LemonJar. So it's LemonJar.com slash iOS Console. And it lets you access the console if you have an iOS device plugged in. Sweet. Awesome. thing is, You tried it? It works? It works. The thing is, she asked me this. She's like, well, have you tried? And I'm like, well, I, I don't need to try it because I have something called iPhone configuration utility, which is something that Apple offers still, but it's been somewhat deprecated, which means that 
So it used to let you look at the iOS console if you had the device plugged in. It no longer does that because of just changes they made in iOS. Um, Xcode gives you, if you have Xcode, you can look at some console stuff, but this utility lets you see it all. So it's great. It's free. You can throw them some bucks and and they make some other uh, uh, nifty software. So I'm, uh, so thank you very much, Allison. Um, And uh, for those of you that are trying to diagnose your iOS uh, uh, issues, uh, can't hurt to run this and check it out and, and see what's in the console. Sweet. All right. Moving to Ev. Ev writes, he said, uh, tip for a large cloud storage. Dropbox is 75 bucks a month for unlimited file storage. With a $75 plan, you get five Dropbox accounts. Uh, we have three network attached storage devices, three NASs, each syncing to a different Dropbox account. We currently have 16 terabytes up on one of them. We use it for archiving out video footage back to 2006. It doesn't say it on their website, but you can call them to expand your Dropbox to your needs at no extra cost. It works great and is never down. I uh, I dug in. Thank you, Ev. I dug into this and I thought, well, wait, it's not 75 a month. It's 1250 per user a month. And that's true. If you go to dropbox.com slash plans, you will see that. But as Ev points out very astutely, there is a five plan minimum. So that's where you get 75 bucks. Uh, but that's not a bad deal. If you need gobs. You mean five user. Five. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Five. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, that's just, yeah, that's correct. Thank you. Um, so yeah. So if, if, if you need gobs and gobs of storage, offline storage or uh, cloud storage, I should say. This is one way to do it. When I was out at WWDC, I ran into Joe Workman, one of uh, my favorite developers, because, well, I don't actually use any of his stuff, but he's uh, he's a great speaker, and uh, I always enjoy his presentations, even though he didn't give one there. Um, anyway, he showed me something called Lizzie Tape, and it's called Lizzie Tape because it looks like a lizard. But it's, um, it's something he stuck to his iPhone. He had this thing on his iPhone. He pulled his iPhone out of his pocket with this little tape, you know, this, this what I'll call a sticker on the back of it. He didn't have any trouble pulling it out of his jeans. He put it down on a table, and I could not lift that iPhone off the table. And then he just reached down and popped the iPhone off. Um, it's a bunch of tiny, tiny, tiny little suction cups uh, that don't get caught on your, you know, on clothing or anything. But if you just put it straight down... You have to lift like you would with the suction cup kind of from the edge and then it comes right back up. But uh, very, very handy thing to to have if you want to make sure you, when you put your phone down, it's not going anywhere and it would hold it up, uh, you know, on a on a vertical surface as well. No problem. Uh, you know, it would be I could see it being handy in like on an airplane where my iPad sliding around with a little turbulence. Just pop it and you're good to go. Actually, you could put it on the back of your iPad and stick it to the seat in front of you. And then you don't even have to worry about the tray table. Um, You know, you could put your food on the tray table if you're if you're eating. So anyway, it's six ninety nine for a a Lizzie steak, Lizzie tape cell phone sticker mount right there on Amazon. So we'll put a link to that in uh, in the show notes. And thank you, Joe, for not only telling me about this, but uh, but showing it to us, too. Very, very good. And another thing that looks kind of silly when you first get it and then becomes the most uh, or one of the the most essential items you will have is something from Blue Lounge called the Cable Drop Multi. I got two of these things and I looked at them and thought, okay. And I showed one to my wife 
and said, are you interested in this? It's, it's a little thing with that sticks. It's a piece of plastic or rubber that you stick to um, either your desk or your nightstand or whatever. And it's just got four little slots for cables. Well, it holds them all day long so that when you go to grab your cable at night, it's right there. And you've got another cable right there for your iPad and another one right there for your watch. And when you're done charging, you pop it back in this little cable drop multi. You get two of them for $8.95 from, uh, from Blue Lounge. Awesome, awesome thing. We've got them next to the beds. Um, it's outstanding. Very, very, again, just one of those simple things that makes your life way easier. And it's, you know, you're not spending a fortune on it. So it's good stuff. Did you check this thing out, John? Uh, my cables are pretty uh, <clears throat> pretty organized. Okay. But once they get chaotic, then uh, yes. No, I, I did the, yeah, I, I saw your post. Huh. Hey, it's good stuff, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, you don't want the rat's nest. No, um, no. Although I, rats, I, are, rats are cool. Yeah, um, you just don't want the nest. No, and <laughs> you know, it's a pain in the neck when you're going, like, I hate it at night when I'm going to find my cable and I've got to, like, fish around on the floor for the stupid thing to find it. Well, that this solves that problem. And very inexpensively, my son's, my, I don't, I actually don't even have one of these things because my son took the other one. Um, so I'm using a different solution to solve the same problem, but uh but uh, but the cable drop multi, it's simple. It's just simple. And that's what I like. You don't have to do anything crazy. You just stick it and put the cables on it and you're done. So John, you um you 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 found uh you found something from the Otterbox folks. Well I found a bunch of things. So Dave, so I went to this event called C E Week, and actually they have a sub event uh for normal civilians. Uh so C E Week is typically for press and analysts and stuff like that, but they actually have a sub event where if you're not pressed or, or anything like that, you can get in as well. Um, so if you're in the Manhattan area, you, you may want to check it out. Um, I'm, I'm being very specific, Manhattan, not New York City, because it's in Manhattan. Mostly <laughs> Somebody, uh, Well, it's uh, 18th Street, uh, you know, where, where you and I have been to a lot of events. But here's one thing that really caught my eye, Dave. So it's from Otterbox. So, you know, I got to say that I really have not done much Otterbox stuff in the past. I, I think I had one of their cases in the past and I honestly wasn't really thrilled with it. It, you know, it, 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 I applied it. It was, it was, I think my, my problem was it was hard to remove from the device, which mm. to me is a criteria for a case is that if you have to like get a crowbar to take it off, it's not, it may not be that great a case. Um, so heads up to case makers, you know, make it easy to put on, but also to take off, um, but also protect the device. But Otterbox has come up with something which, as far as I can tell, is very recent, and they, and they gave me something to try out, and I have tried them out, Dave, and I can speak to them and, and say that they're pretty cool. So the first thing is the case itself. So Otterbox has come out with this new, what I'm going to call a case standard, called the Otterbox Universe, small U-N-I, capital verse, you know, yeah. which implies it's like all-encompassing, and it kind of is, because what it is, is Dave, it's a case platform so a lot of cases you apply the case and the case does what it does this case the intent here is to allow you to attach other devices so it provides a standard and otterbox has worked with a number of uh i'm I'm gonna dare say world-class companies sure that offer cool accessories to come out with their accessories that apply that that will work with the universe case technology Uh, that's so one 
uh, and basically there's two parts of it. So one, um, the, the area surrounding the lens, they have standardized. So people that come out with lens accessories can do that. And people that have come out with uh, accessories that connect to the lightning port, they have also standardized that connection. Pretty darn cool. So the case in and of itself, and also it's a pretty cool case. Um, it was kind of funny because I kind of challenged the representative. I talked to him I'm like, well, how, from how high could I drop my phone and not have it damaged? And he's like, I, I can't tell you that. I'm like, yeah, I know you can't. How about off the record? And he's like, I can't tell you that. Still I'm like, not going to tell you. <laughs> but it still looks like a, a, a fairly, uh, the, the case that I had, and I think I may retire, was the Apple leather case. And, and from what I can see of this case, um, it provides access to all the ports, and it looks uh, fairly sturdy. So it's the iPhone 6 6S Universe case. Uh, retail is $49.95. So that's the first part. Okay. And I can tell you some of the, the... But then they also provided me with some goodies, and maybe I'll mention one of them, and we can move on. Okay. Or, or maybe a couple of them. So then here's some of the accessories. So if you look at the page for this, you can see all the accessories. Um, here's the ones that they gave me, and I, I think are really cool. So one... And actually, Dave, you use this on your vacation here. Um, they have an Allo clip four-in-one lens attachment. Love the Allo uh, clip. For you guys that don't know, Allo clip is an awesome lens enhancement for the iPhone. The iPhone phone, the, the iPhone camera is awesome, and the lens is pretty awesome for being a teeny little lens. But sometimes it may not do everything you want. So there's this company called Allo clip that has a lens. And so they made a universe compatible four in one lens um, that attaches to the case. They gave me one of these. So it provides cool. you with four lenses, wide screen, uh, 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 wide angle lens, fisheye, which personally I don't use a lot. And then if you screw those off, you get both a 10 X macro and a 15 X macro, which basically means you can do super detailed close up photos way beyond what the phone itself can do that wide so angle the, lens is cool i i took some pictures i put them up on my twitter and facebook um from the top of the eiffel tower and man dude really if you're cool up stuff. there you need why i mean wide angle just it was well, yeah i mean yeah we were there for sunset too it just worked perfectly gosh it was great yeah, yeah. fun so that's the one attachment i think is great so it's special for this case uh the retail is 79.95 and then the second attachment that i got which also excited. So this is to, to me, the exciting part about making a case that uh, will take attachments is Dave, you know, I've, a lot of us have really wanted to have a battery case. Sure. You know, I, I don't know about you when you were traveling. Actually, I'm curious once I, I finish babbling here, but um, I'm curious if you were able to get a day or so out of your battery in your, um, in your, in your various devices. The thing is a lot of people find this a challenge. So, the other thing this case does with the standardized uh, case design and lightning attachment, the other thing that I was offered was something called the Pro Polar Pro Power Pack. What is this, you ask? I'm going to tell you exactly. It's a battery pack. Um, I'm trying to find the capacity here. I believe it's 2,100 milliamp hours. It is. It's, it's 2,100. Yep. Okay, but it's a very well-designed power pack, so it fits into this case. It offers you 2,100 milliamp hours, which is enough to give you a full charge on a six um, or an iPhone six, like yep. I have um, the design of the case is also very nice because it has, so it has four LEDs to tell you capacity. The thing I like what they did is they also include a on off switch on this case. Yeah, so, which is good because a lot of cases, once you plug it into the accessory, it starts charging it. This one has a switch that lets you control that. 
So hats off to them as well. That item retails. Oh, did you? I think you just wiped it out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, I think I think it retailed for forty nine ninety five. Okay, for the Polo Pro Power Pack. So, um, I think the universe case is uh is something to pay attention to for people that want a standardized case um, that lets you like like some of the things that I haven't tried yet. So, for example, uh, the guys that make the smart card, or, or I'm sorry, the uh, Square Reader. Yeah, they, the OtterBox work with them. So, you, if you want to plug a Square Reader in and make that a you know temporary attachment. It, fantastic idea because uh, like i said smart that to in have the past this- cases would be you apply the case and that's you're pretty much stuck with what that case does these right. uh, otterbox thought well why don't we make a case platform and that's what they did and it, it looks uh it looks pretty cool cool yeah so i, I actually used a um i did use a battery case uh, you know i'm using the iphone se that's what i used when we traveled uh, it worked brilliantly. Uh, I really liked the size of it because I was able to take pictures one handed. We did a couple of Segway tours and all of that stuff. It, it, it's just great. Uh, but I it suspected and was correct that the way I was going to use it, I would not get a full day out of the battery. And so my um, my current favorite battery company is Tilt, T-Y-L-T. And it's because I've used their batteries for a long time. They are reliable. They actually charge the amount that they say they're going to charge. So many batteries. I'm, I'm not speaking necessarily about the, the OtterBox one. I haven't tested it. But but lots of batteries that I have tested say that they have, you know, whatever, 2,000 milliamps, 2,500. Some say they have 6,000. Some say they have 20,000. And then it turns out that, you know, it's maybe, you know, half or even a third the capacity that they're advertised. The tilt stuff always is exactly what they say. And so I actually bought a power case, charging case for the iPhone 5, and it worked perfectly on the iPhone SE. And it was relatively cheap. I think I got it for like 30 bucks or something at Amazon. And what's cool about it is that it's a two-piece thing. The battery part slides off, but you still have a case, a very, very thin case around the phone to protect it when it's not in the battery. The battery does have a power button. So most days I just traveled with the the phone in the battery case. And when I would get down to about 30%, I would charge the phone all the way up to the top and then turn it off. And I knew that I had like a little bit left if I needed, you know, if I burned my battery down again, I knew I had a little bit left to, you know, get an Uber or whatever I needed to do. Um, thankfully it never came to, you know, I never got quite that close, but once we'd come back to the apartment, hang out or whatever. And then when we were going to go out to dinner, I knew we weren't going to be out very, very long. So I would just take the phone without the battery case. And I lived that way for the last two weeks and it was outstanding, worked really, really well. And I was glad that the, um, the iPhone five, you know, version of this case worked great. Um, so that's, that's what I used. Right before I left, though, um, I learned about something that I didn't get until after I got back. But it's from Nomad, John, and uh, and I'd had it queued up to talk about here. It's their bifold leather wallet. Um, now, that might sound like a silly thing to talk about in a battery segment, but I think you know where this is going. It's a bifold wallet with a battery pack at the end and it's got a little cable in it that you can, you know, it's a lightning cable in the one that I've got here and, uh, and it plugs right in and 
the nice part is this is, it's a 2,400 milliamp hour battery that they advertise. I, I literally opened this thing up this morning because I was gone all week. So I have not tested it yet. I mean, I've tested it to charge, but I haven't tested it enough to, to speak to the battery capacity, but, um, it's, you know, it's a wallet that you were going to keep with you anyway. So I had, I had hoped that I would be able to test this thing on my Europe trip, but the timing uh, of their shipment just didn't work. It's a real, it's, I am a huge fan. The whole time I was in Europe, I brought three watch bands with me for my Apple watch. I only used one. The other two I th- actually are still in my backpack. I got to remember to take them out. Uh, the only one that I used was the Nomad strap. It's a leather strap. It's very, very comfortable. It looks classy enough to wear out to dinner. I've had this strap on my watch for a while and it's, uh, it, you know, it's worn in nicely and it, it's just, it looks like a classy leather strap because it is a classy leather strap and the wallet is made from similar soft leather. So it, it's, it's really a, you know, a handsome wallet. I like this thing. Um, so I, um, it, my next trip, I will definitely try this out. Um, so yeah. Nice. Fun, Let fun me stuff. ask you yeah, yeah. Uh, a travel follow-up now, as some of you may know, but if you don't, if you're global, so the thing is in the United States here, our alternating current that comes out of the wall is 120 volts, I'm 60 cycles. <laughs> well, the thing is, yeah, well, I wanted to ask you this. So the thing is, in this country, we have 120 volts, 60 cycles. Uh, other parts of the world have different standards for either the voltage or the frequency of the alternating current. And the thing is, I'm curious uh, what you use. So, so for some things that are self-contained, you, it's not a worry. You know, you plug your battery pack into your iDevice and, sure. and you're good. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter you, where my location is on the planet. But if you needed yeah. to charge something, and I think for the most part, most Apple products, um, Apple power adapters, if you get uh, an accessory kit, uh, their adapters themselves will will figure it out. You, you just have to get the right plug. And intentionally, the countries use a different style plug, whether it's flat blade or, you know, round or, or whatever. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering, I mean, I'm, you know, obviously you anticipated that you need different <laughs> plugs, but I'm wondering what you used and your, your, if you have any advice or, you know, how satisfied you were with what, what you did use. Did you use an Apple product or third party or how did that work out? Yeah. So I'm glad you asked this because I should have included this in my tech, you know, Europe notes that we talked about at the beginning of the show and I didn't. Uh, so I looked at what I was going to be bringing with me and realized that everything had um, a, 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 a adapting power, you know, power adapter. It had a uh, switching power adapter and, and you can look at your power adapters and all of your Apple ones will, will do this. And as long as it says that it does 110 to, you know, 240 or whatever it says on there, that's fine. If it only says 110, then the power adapter cannot take more current than uh, they provide, at least here in the U.S. But all the Apple stuff will take um, up to 240. It's fine. As you said, you, you need to get an adapter. Now, there's two different types of adapters. One is just an a truly just an adapter to make it so that your plug will fit into whatever the outlet shape is in the country you're in, but it does not do any power conversion. And that's what I used. I, I actually bought a bunch of them from ricksteves.com. Rick Steves has a, gr- a lot of great stuff for travel, including some great travel books for different cities that we actually used. But um, these adapters, I mean, I think for 14 bucks, I got um, four adapters for UK 
and then four adapters for EU, which was enough for, for all for the family it shipped to me. And, and it was, like I said, it was like, I don't know, it was less than 15 bucks to, for, for all eight adapters. And of course we needed different ones. Barcelona and Paris were the same. UK was different. UK has those weird flat blades and they're all, I mean, they're not weird. They're just different. Um, and, uh, and it worked great for my MacBook air. I already had a plug bug world, which is a cool little adapter that basically takes the, the place of the, um, of the plug adapter on your, on your power brick for your, for your laptop. And so I had that with me and I just, and that came with all the right adapters. But again, it's, it's really the Apple power adapter that's doing the hard work. And, um, and so, yeah, we, that, that allowed us to charge everything. It was almost a non-issue. You just had to, you know, like I said, pick the right adapter, plug into the outlet. Good to go. And it just worked. I mean, I, you know, I was nervous the first time when in London, when I plugged in, I'm like, am I going to blow things up? I had an anchor 10 port, uh, USB charger with me that I always travel with. And that had a switching power supply in it. So again, I just had to put the right adapter on it and I turned it on. The blue light came on, nothing smoked, plugged my iPad in. Good to go. That was it. All set. So, okay. Oh, I see. Plug bug is a, yeah. Okay. 12 South. Yeah. Yeah. They, they got me one of those as well. So yeah. that is a fine option. I think it's reasonably priced. Um, Apple also sells an adapter kit uh, if you want that, but I think it's actually more expensive way more expensive yeah yeah <laughs> so 12 south i think we agree is is the way to go if you're well, do a lot of world travel and you want uh, you don't but you really don't need i mean i don't get me wrong i love the folks at 12 south and the plug bug is cool i, I use it all the time even in the u.s because it adds a usb port to your power right, adapter right so when you've got like one outlet you can plug in and still charge usb as well as as that so i like it but your normal apple adapter would work just fine with one of these things from rick steves so it's just you know i mean it or and you could get mm. them from amazon or whatever i just found rick steves to be the, the least expensive and again these are like cheap pieces of plastic that have different you know, you plug your metal prongs into one end of it and it's metal prongs plug mm. into the outlet. That's all. That's all it does. Yeah. And I got to say, Dave, hats off to Apple is that I think it was probably three to six months ago. I got an email from Apple because I had bought one of their older adapter kits mm-hmm. and they were like, yeah, we kind of had a recall because nope. some of them may like burn the house down or something. So, um, this thing that you bought like six years ago or eight years ago, we're going to swap out those for ones that won't burn the house down. Oh, and I'm good. like, no, Apple is, uh, you know, in a yeah. lot of cases, I mean, that that's why we love Apple. I mean, yep. I, I can't believe that they actually dug back like almost a decade for something I bought and said, you know, we're going to, we're, we're going to swap care it of out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I guess also because they don't get your asses suit, right? Right. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that's totally. Yeah. But apparently there was a manufacturer a, a a intermittent manufacturing defect in the adapter which could cause it to short out and make bad things happen. So, yeah. hey. Absolutely. All right, so we've got some stuff to go through. We're never as always, we're not going to get through everything. I did want to share one more thing that um that I noticed from traveling, but it's also just kind of cool stuff found. TiVo added uh, to their Bolt, which is their their newest one, and and then of course their Romeo also has this too, out of home streaming, and I was actually kind of uh, excited about being able to stream, like you know having my TiVo 
continue to record stuff while we were gone. And if we were, you know, just chilling out at night, if I wanted to watch a show from home, uh, I could. And I knew they had added it to the Bolt, and I knew we had the software update on the Bolt, and I had the latest version of the TiVo app on my iPad. Awesome. I get to London. I'm like, oh, let me see how that works. And I start it up, and it says, oh, you haven't enabled out-of-home streaming on your uh, TiVo Bolt. I'm like, okay, let's do that. Like, well, you have to be on the same network as your TiVo Bolt to turn this on, and then you can use it when you're not there. And I'm thinking, you know, I, was it, no, it, what, where does that make sense? Why would that, like, I would never try to stream at home because I'm sitting on the couch and I get that some people will, will try to stream at home and, and it works, you know, in the house. And then you would get the warning that you had to, to do this. But I, and I don't even know that you would get the warning that you had to do this if you tried it in your house. But, um. And so I VPN'd in. I'm like, aha, I know how to skin this cat, right? Nope, I don't, evidently, because VPNing back into the house didn't help that problem. It's like, yeah, you're still not actually on the, the same Wi-Fi network, so, you know, no, you can't do it. So I couldn't do it. I mean, I could have called a friend to come over and, like, log into our TiVo account and do all the right crazy things and and, and stand in my house and, and flip this switch. But no, I just said, fine, I'm really not in Europe to watch American TV anyway. I can do that in America. And we didn't really use that. If we wanted to watch something, we just streamed it from the disc station or from Netflix or whatever. Um when I got home, though, I thought, aha, I should turn this on so that I have this capability. It took like four seconds to enable this. Why I had to be, I get there's probably some licensing thing or whatever. It's a DRM. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure it's a licensing or DRM yeah, silliness. But my, I mean, I, I wish the app like would have warned me when it did this. Like, hey, you now have out-of-home streaming. You should enable this right away now while you're thinking about it and at home because otherwise you're going to be sad Dave later. And, uh, and so I don't want any of you to be sad Dave or sad insert your name here. So uh, if you're using TiVo, just launch the app while you're home, go into the settings. It's not obvious. You got to go into settings, go into streaming, click the options button, and then it'll come up and there'll be the little checkbox for out of home streaming. You just tap that and it says, you promise not to be naughty about this. And you're like, yeah. And then everything's good. So, but it, but then you get like, it's, it's like a sling box because you can stream stuff that the TiVo has recorded and you can stream stuff that, um, that's on live TV. So it, you get like all this great capability, but, uh, you just got to flip the, you know, just one little switch, but you have to be right here to do that. So I was, and then I did it and now I, I feel happier about it, I guess. I don't know. What else do we have here? Um, I can give you a tidbit, Dave. Give me a tidbit. Follow-up. Yeah. I'm going to give you a little tiny tidbit here. Um, Dave, we, we didn't intentionally, but we, we kind of lied. So you and I were under the impression that time machine backups do not include any sort of uh, checksum or uh, verification that the data in the backup is the same as the data on the source. Yeah, we were, we were wrong, Dave. What? How did I? Uh, I'm I'm going to tell you, brother, and I can tell you how you can find out this information right now. So I was just surfing through the man pages. Um, what are man pages? People ask man pages. So pretty it's much a any manual version, page. 
pretty much any version of Unix has something called a man page. And if you type man, a space, and then the name of the command, it'll give you, it'll blurt out information about that command and tell you how to use it in detail from the command line or the console or, no, the terminal. Dave, I found this thing. So Time Machine, as of 10.11, has an option called Verify Checksums. Okay. Now both you and I are going to be like, what? Uh, okay, where do I get this option? Well, if you if you type man uh-huh. space tmutil, you're going to see a list of options. Dave, the option is called verify checksums, and I'm not going to read the entire thing to you here, but it says in the end of the description for that command, beginning in OS 10, 10.11, Time Machine records checksums of files copied into snapshots. Checksums are not retroactively computed for files that were copied by earlier releases of OS X. Okay. I just thought this was intensely interesting because we were under the impression that Time Machine backups did not have any sort of uh, uh, redundancy or, or uh, checksums. As it turns out, it sounds like Apple kind of sneakily added this in 10.11, at least based on what the man page says. And I even ran this command from my terminal, yeah. and it came up with nothing. It, 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 basically, if, if there's nothing wrong, it'll say, meh. Right. Right, no uh, no output is generated for matching checksums, and then uh, yeah, okay, so, you right. found it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, but yeah. I was I I just want to mention this because I I was as surprised as anyone. Now I I don't believe that this is invoked. If as far as I can tell, the only way to do this is to do it from the terminal. Okay. I don't believe that if you say verify backup, this happens. Maybe it does. I I I, I don't know. We we should actually if we have any Apple geniuses or Apple gurus or Anybody inside Apple that added this feature? Because uh, honestly, Dave, I, I, I don't think... You, somebody at Apple is slacking off here. You guys got to let us know that this is happening, okay? <laughs> huh. Right. I was yeah, not aware that this... I, I mean, I, I just saw this and I'm like, when did this happen? So... I wonder if, I wonder if this is a bit of uh, a peek into... Yes what's going on with the new file system that Apple's putting together, right? APFS. So uh, this verify, because time machine is going to have to change. If not from a user experience standpoint, from an engineering under the hood standpoint, it has to change dramatically for the new, um, for the new file system. And that's a good thing. So I wonder if this is preparing for that, um, by generating checksums so that when the file system is moved over, uh, it's got mm-hmm. this stuff and it can do it. And then who knows, maybe a, a, a new or a future incarnation of time machine will, will actually verify these. I just quickly looked in, um, my, uh, console logs here on my Mac and I searched for both backup D, which shows me all of the stuff and it that backup D does, and it says nothing about verifying. And I searched for checksums and got zero. So, um, so I don't think it's doing this automatically. I think it's only doing it on demand from the command line. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. But I'm with you. I think I think it's a uh, yeah. I think it's a segue to what we're going to see yeah. in the next OS. That's um, great. Nice catch, man. Very cool. <laughs> That's very well, cool. Look at the it, hey. Anybody who's listening, if you if you have time to kill, 
look at the man pages. You may find something that will surprise you. No, I it certainly did. I, yeah. I was just like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's pretty cool. All right. So let's, uh, we've got a ton of tips and follow-ups from last week. And really, we don't have time to go through any of it. Um, I do want to go to Bob because this is actually a cool stuff found here. Bob uh, rewinds us back a little ways to MacGeekab 600 where he says, you mentioned wanting more alerts. You might want to look at an app called Alarmed by Yachtoville. And he says, uh, this is for iOS. It has a locations remind locations reminders feature, AKA geofencing. Basically you give an address and it sets a pin. You can then specify if it should send you an alert when you arrive or when you leave that location. One of the nice features you get to choose a specific alarm sound uh, from an app provided list. This way you can easily tell if it is coming from alarmed and not yet another generic alert. You can have a long list of location-based alerts for different things you should do when you are near a specific location. Beyond that, Alarmed is a nice time-based reminder system where you can have saved countdown timers for various tasks that need to be checked in N minutes. So thank you for that, Bob. This is a handy little app. I like geofences. You know, I, I used to be uh, sort of against the concept of geofences because they it meant that something was always sort of paying attention to your location. And uh, and that, of course, meant that your battery would be used more. But since so many things on our iOS devices, it it's impossible to operate an iOS device these days without something always looking at your location, uh, at least for me. I, I want to get weather alerts from where I am. I, you know, I like dark sky to tell me or storm either one of them to tell me that it's going to rain, you know, or that rain was detected within X number of miles of my location, that kind of thing. It's really handy. And because of, and I like it, uh, you know, as I said earlier in the show, I like DS photo to back up my photos. When I just get home, that requires a location based, um, geofence. So, uh, now, now that I've given up, uh, on trying to limit my phone's location, you know, the time that it is, uh, tracking my location, my life is actually better. So, uh, it's good stuff. And you know, you can do it for your, your home kit stuff and all that stuff. So very, very cool. Thank you, Bob. I like, I like that stuff. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that, uh, that we should go through here. And I, I don't, I'm not convinced that there is. We've got a lot of yeah. tips. Go ahead, John. What do you want? No, what I don't know. Got? I mean, okay. I got a pile of hardware, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We all do. Know, yeah, yeah. Say, Actually, uh, tell us about your you, this uh, Tato thing that you got, John. I'm going to tell you about that. All right. So Tato or Tato, I'm not sure of the exact pronunciation here. So this is a company um, that I met at you know this the show as well. Um, so they make something called Smart AC Control. Now, what is that? All right. Well, again, I, I'm, I'm going to try to be concise here, Dave. Okay. I, I know it goes against my nature. All right. What is this device? It's a little box. It controls your air conditioner, but it controls your air conditioner. Uh, so I have, so my household and many households. So I have thermostats only for my heating system. I sure. do not have central air conditioning. I have two window air conditioners. They're actually older Fetters units. They're somewhat Energy Star, great stuff. And they're controlled by an infrared remote. Okay, uh. that's great. But the thing is, they're kind of stupid. 
The thing is, you either have to be there to turn them on or off, or they have a very rudimentary timer feature saying, okay, turn on at this time, turn off at that time. Well, that may not be, you know, very energy efficient, right? Oh, dude. What if you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you look at this device. All right. So what these guys did, uh, so they're a German company. And of course, you know, Germans, I'm German or I have German background. I mean, this is the epitome of German engineering. So what this is, is a box. So it has a number of things in it. So one, it has an IR receiver and transmitter. Why? Because what you do is you train it to talk to um, your air conditioner. Sure. It or, basically, or if you have to, right? I mean, they've got a database of stuff, but you can train it if you're stuck in the database. Yeah. Mine was old enough where I had to train it. But the thing is, they have the IR codes, uh, like a, lo- yeah. a lot of other products, to... to provide certain levels of control. Now, for my particular air conditioner, it's basically on, off, and set temperature. Um, actually, it's funny. The way they do this is actually kind of clever. So they is record it, Does it work this. with HomeKit, John? It will. Okay. I actually looked this up. They have the chip. They have not enabled it, but it will work with HomeKit sometime next year. Okay, but you can do it. Because that excites me. You can so do they it have an app your, for now. From your app. Okay, got it. Right. So here's what it does. So the box itself um, will... Turn your AC on and off. Uh, they offer an iOS app. Uh, you can schedule when to turn it on or off, or you can manually control it, which is pretty awesome. The other thing it provides for me, Dave, which is awesome, is it provides me the temperature and humidity where the device is located. Hey, now I know what's happening, at least in the first floor of my house. I didn't used to because I'd never had any smart devices. Sure. So that's another cool part. The other cool part is it has, um, you were talking about this geofencing. The thing is, if you give it your address um, and you're running the app on your iOS device, um, though they also, so hats off to them. So two things here. So let me roll back. So it has geofencing. So the thing is, if it's like, oh, John is X number of feet away from home. Gee, I probably shouldn't have the AC on because he's not here. Let me turn it off. And then when you get close to home, it'll turn the AC back on. What's yeah. the benefit? Well, Energy. I mean, it's just uh, like, uh, yeah, it's just like HomeKit. I mean, you, you, yeah, but that, but that's smart. <clears throat> and Ecobee and Nest and all of those, yeah, do that. And too. it's funny because a friend of mine, um, uh, uh, my good buddy Kenny, and I, I, I don't think you, yeah, you haven't met Kenny. But anyways, Kenny was like, well, this just what the nest does. And I'm like, well, yeah, but the thing is my household is not equipped to fully utilize a nest. So this is no, your AC wouldn't work with the nest. Yeah. Because my, my thermostat doesn't control my AC. Yeah. So the thing is for people that have window air conditioners that are controlled by a, a handheld remote, this is a great solution. I, well, so, let me, so, let me rewind that. It's not just window air conditioners. It's any air conditioner that's controlled by a remote. Because yes, it, like yes. I, I don't have a window air conditioner in the studio here. I have what's called a, a mini split where the, I have a mm-hmm. compressor outside and then I have the, the um, you know, the, the coil inside here sitting on a, a, a wall. It's essentially ductless central air, but, uh, but I don't have, but I just have a remote that sits right next to me and I have to, you know, turn it on when I come in the studio and turn it off. Now, thankfully it's a pretty powerful, it's, overpowered for the room so it doesn't take very long and the same is true of the office it's a it's a dual zone thing and it actually works great but it would be really nice to be able to control this from remote or program it in a way that's a little more intelligent than having to touch a button on the remote yeah right i like these guys because 
the, Smart. well, the underlying engineering, and then we'll move on. But the underlying <laughs> yeah, you, you engineering. You said you were going to be concise about this, by the way. I but believe, I, but I, I want to. We're I, on the five minute mark for this one. So, but I want to indicate. Flat. I want to indicate the benefit here. So they have an iOS app, and the thing is. People that only offer an iOS app to control your smart home devices, I shake my fist at you. These guys, if you want to log in to their website and view the app, it looks exactly the same. Which, dude, to me is oh, yeah. engineering, engineering well, so brilliance. D- just d- be, be, because you haven't experienced it, um, Nest and Ecobee work the same way. You, you can go to a website without right. the app. And, and My fish shake yeah. is Wink. I have some Wink bulbs oh, okay. and I have a Wink Aren't app. Are they out the of business? Is, uh, they had some financial issues, but they're still around. But the thing is, the only way I can control my Wink bulbs, Dave, is through the iOS app. There mm. is no web interface. So, right. All right. So you make a good point, but, but these guys did it right. The engineering is I can do it either through the web and see the same interface or I can run the iOS app, but, it, but it's cool. So it's smart. Um, it has, you know, uh, uh, geo fencing. And, um, so the retail is 179. Some people say, well, you know, that's kind of pricey, but the thing is if your device isn't running when you're not there and it saves you money, Hey, that's just like a nest, right? Well, it's, and it, I mean, it's more than, than just the environmental impact. It's just the convenience of being able to control it when you're not there. I mean, for me, I, I, there are times when I walk into the studio or into the office, and it's like, oh, crap, yeah, I left the AC on all night. Why? I, I mean, it wouldn't have known that I was far away because it's all the same network or whatever. Right. But it's like, and plus, if I could just set a schedule that, that for the thing to, no matter what, turn off at 8 p.m., uh, you know, I that get would you. be handy. Yeah. And to me, the big plus is now I have a device that tells me, at least on the first floor of my house, the temperature and humidity. Because that's one when, thing that when this they does, enable no the HomeKit stuff. That's when it gets fun. Because now, not yes. only is that device controllable, it now becomes a trigger because it's feeding information into HomeKit, and that's a good thing. So, yes, sir. And I hear the band. Yeah, uh, I man. guess they survived the storm. They did. They did. So yeah, that was a seven-minute concise segment from you, my friend. So just so you know, I'm getting better. Uh, sure. <laughs> Uh, visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash MacGeekGab. Or if you want to just be simple about it, go to MacGeekGab.com slash Facebook. That'll bring you to the same place. We've got a great group of folks, it, us included, that, uh, I mean, I, I answer as many questions as I ask there. It, it is a great community, an awesome resource, and I really encourage you folks to, to get involved. It, it just makes the community even better when you're there. But I think... I didn't look. It, it looks like we're about to top a thousand. I, I thought, uh, but uh, it, there's a lot of people there, so it's it, you know, and everybody's paying attention. It's great, great stuff, and a, a it's great place cray. to be. It's great. I constantly get notifications. Hey, somebody wants to join your Facebook group, I'm and like, you never approve them. I was doing it while I was in. What Europe. are you talking about? I approve them all the time. Yo. Oh, you do? Okay, all right. Maybe I don't get the notification when you approve them. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, the thing is, anybody who's part of the group can approve anybody else. That's right? correct. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not. Just I don't you know. If, I don't know right. if you and I only get the notifications because mm. we're the owner of the group, but um, I don't think so. I think everybody does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good, and everybody, everybody. I, I know it, it, it's not just me that approves them. Everybody does. Because I'll see the notification, and then sometimes I'll go check in like twenty minutes. And it's like, oh, it's already approved. It's good. Done. Which mm. is good. Good stuff. 
I want to thank our sponsors for this show. Uh, I want to thank, of course, Otherworld Computing and Barebones Software. Uh, Otherworld Computing at MaxSales.com and Barebones at, uh, or sorry, Barebones Software at Barebones.com. I want to thank Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com because they provide all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. And of course, the sponsors in our podcast marketplace, Gazelle.com, Smile at SmileSoftware.com slash Geek, Squarespace at Squarespace.com slash M-G-G, and Casper at Casper.com slash M-G-G. Coupon code M-G-G saves you 50 bucks. Well, folks, it is a pleasure to be back. I hope uh, that my, uh, I hope I was able to record this show properly because it's been, it's weird not doing, I mean, we've been doing this straight for 11 years to take two weeks off. That's definitely the longest stretch. So I'm hoping that I didn't or you didn't get caught. Made up.